Podcast, volume number two, issue number 99. Yes, that's right, 99. We're one away from the big 100 coming up in the following week, probably around Halloween, right after Halloween. We're doing a great special. DM Vince sitting here alongside the ever so ready to yell at people, Master Sarge Will. <laughs> Pigs have orc faces. That is correct. And uh, <laughs> sitting in, slightly bruised, but feeling better, DM Matt. Uh, how's it going, everyone? Matt, how's the hand going? It's coming along. Um, I'm in a smaller brace, so I can actually like use my fingertips on my right hand and actually like kind of grasp things. Still hate doorknobs. Um, <laughs> I am starting to get to the point where I can kind of tr- start my car with my right hand. Yay. So slowly but surely, um, I start physical therapy this Wednesday, ho- hopefully. Um, I have a follow-up with my surgeon, and uh, once he gives the go-ahead, I'll start physical therapy. So, But I should be in the splint for about three more weeks. Cool. Yeah. Good, good. At least you're healing really well. Yep. Yeah, hands up to that. Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I went, uh, so this weekend I played my face-to-face game. We actually increased two new players to the group. So now we're at six players. As opposed to just four nice. with one DM, so that's pretty good. Hopefully, that'll keep going. We play every other week, so it's a bi-weekly game. And that was some fun. Now, how about you, Matt? You been playing anything? Yeah, um, we restarted my uh, Ravenloft campaign uh, last week, and we ran the first adventure. They went to the city of Briarwood, and they were approached by. They went to the Adventurers Guild, but the Adventurers Guild and uh, Briarwood, out of the city, stated the Invincible Overlord box set requires 200 gold per person to join as well as a tale of adventure you actually did so being they were uh, new players they didn't quite qualify to join so so at that point they wandered the city and uh they got pulled they uh an aide for one of the senators pulled them aside for a special task that needed much discretion so and and basically it was just to retrieve a item from a submerged wizard's tower Mm-hmm. And on uh, they traveled to that tower, and everything was hunky dory. I mean, they got like a five hundred gold up front for taking this. They were going to get twenty five hundred gold for completing the quest. They caught a giant otter in a fishing boat and sold the pelt for seven hundred gold. The weather was beautiful; everything was perfect. And then they're like, "Well, we need to hide some of this gold," so they buried it. It was that moment in time. One of my players looked at me and was like, "Oh no! I just remembered we're going to Ravenloft." <laughs> in their head, his head just hung down like, we are so screwed. Yes. Yeah, so they went into the tower, and they retrieved the item but when they were coming out. Uh, it just so happens that perfectly clear full moon night was now covered in a mist. Huh. And they took their ship to sail back to the mainland, and that's where we left off. Nice. Yes. Oh, forgot to mention, the module we were running in our group was the... Uh... The free download of the Spider Farm. We just finished that one up. So who knows what the DM is going to do next? Will, what have you been up to? Oh, not much. The same old stuff and everything. You know, uh, got a new job and everything, so that's been keeping me busy. But I still manage to game. You know, uh, you know, throughout the week and the weekend when I have that time now. So now things have to be, of course, uh, altered a little bit for, to make for my new schedule. But starting after uh, next week, uh, I go to night. So now I'll be, you know, going back to my four games a week that, uh, from there on. Okay, cool. So the same old stuff, nothing new. So Will's boring then, okay. No, actually not. Yesterday I went down to the gaming store. I played a, uh, a full game of X-Wing, that miniature game. Yeah. Great game. Great game. Good to go. Yeah, I played that a couple weeks ago, and that was really fun. It kind of reminded me somewhat of uh, Wings of War. Yeah. But, but without the uh, 
card deck where you have the more uh, it's and you actually have more of uh, tactical control over your ship as opposed to in Winds yeah. of War it's more well trying to make the best of what you draw on whereas this actually has a little more about the actual construction of your force to it yeah it's a little tougher this time, uh, but I, I saw some of the rules and everything. I don't know if you got too far into, you know, like if you do a, a risky maneuver, and you know you have to put that risk token down, right? And you're but if you if yeah, if you want to do another risky maneuver, the people on the other team get to pick the maneuver you can do. Right. Yeah. Or if you do certain maneuvers, you can't really do much of anything after them because your ship hasn't stabilized until you did like a green basic maneuver. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to say that Luke Skywalker and Biggs were destroyed. Oh, good. What about Porkins? Uh, they don't have him yet. They don't have him as a character card yet, but I'm waiting for him to come around Porkins. I couldn't stand it. I'm glad he died. <laughs> <laughs> So, but no, uh, it was two X-Wings versus four TIE Fighters. Two were just, uh, you know, uh, newbies from the, uh, you know, from the Academy. And the other two were experienced TIE Fighter pilots. But we lost three TIE Fighters. And uh, we ended up, you know, killing Luke at the last last second. Yeah. Well, I guess Luke didn't use the Force then, huh? He has R2-D2. And, 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 and actually, Luke and R2-D2 combination are very powerful because they, they can regenerate the shields. Yeah, but in my the game I played, it didn't go so good for the Empire. It was a <laughs> X wing and a Y wing versus two Tie Fighters and one of the advanced Tie Fighters, and yeah, it just we that Y wing is just such a tank, and it needs so many hits to actually bring down. They yeah. were able to just launch some mist torpedoes at us and just vaporize the little uh, Tie Fighters. Right. Well, uh, I think next month the, the new four ships are coming out, the Falcon, the Slave One, and, and, and you wouldn't be shocked at how much those things cost each. Oh, uh, I bet like 30 bucks each. They're $29.95 apiece. Yep. And then the A-Wing and the, the TIE Interceptor, and those are going to be the regular price of $14.95 apiece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's a very good game, but also a little pricey to get into. It's like Match the Gathering except with minis. Right. Well, it's not quite that insane yet. <laughs> I mean, will. but the, um, also, I just kind of got into Warhammer Fantasy, so at that point, I have no room to complain about games being expensive because... You War found someone to play Warhammer Fantasy with you? Yeah. Um, actually, my gaming group, there's like four other... I have four other people to play with. Lucky. Yeah. So what army? Um, I am playing Orcs right now. <laughs> I was able to actually buy the starter set from... Like, I think it was 2000 with Empire and Orcs for 20 bucks shipped off eBay. See that? Look at that. So at that point, I'm like, I'm playing Orcs because we needed a side, someone to even out the side of Chaos. Because we already had three, well, we had a person playing Empire, Dwarves, and I, forget, I think Beastmen or one other race. So we already had three good guys, and my other friend, he has like a Chaos slash vampire uh yeah. lords vampire yeah yeah vampire counts they're yeah, awesome yeah he has the vampire counts in chaos so i'm like well i guess i'll go orc since i got them so cheap and i've just been buying uh really cheap minis off uh, ebay but when looking at that core book the core book is 75 dollars yep yeah, so but, like every but you don't really need that book. You don't need that book if you're just going to get one army. Well, the problem is with I like having the rules because we're playing eighth edition, and eighth edition they changed quite a bit from prior oh, ones. Yeah. Yep. Just on purpose. Yeah, it's Games Workshop. But yeah. the thing is, there's certain armies that are using the sixth edition army book and the seventh edition army book. Not all right. the army books have been updated. It's just um, okay. Um, well, I use uh, Tomb Kings. I love the Tomb Kings. Yeah, yeah. My friend, he has some Tomb Kings as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. He, he, yeah, he's yeah, my one friend, Mike, whose house we actually game at. He's just went all out and bought like tons of stuff. So book wise, I've been like using their books, and it was actually during a game of Warhammer playing it. I accidentally set it on my tablet and like cracked the LCD screen. 
<gasps> yes, it's very sad. I ordered a replacement LCD off eBay, and in the process of removing my old LCD, I ended up cutting the ribbon for the digitizer on my Asus tablet. So I've, now I'm waiting to get a digitizer in. <laughs> so that's like a hundred bucks. So I've pretty much dumped in half the price of the tablet trying to fix it. Could just put a new one, Matt. I actually also did that just in case. <laughs> so I actually have a new tablet, a replacement tablet coming in because I found it for like 160 on eBay. Buy it now. I'm like, okay, this is a crazy price. That's about $75 cheaper than what it was going for everywhere else. So I ordered that in addition to the digitizer. So what I'm going to do is if it doesn't work, if I can't get it working, I'm going to actually just sell mine on eBay broken because – it has an HDMI out, and if you hook it up to a TV, it works fine. Which tablet do you have? Uh, the Asus Transformer. Uh, the yeah, the, I heard it was really good. Oh, uh, I love it. I have the dock keyboard dock for it, yeah. too. So it has a touchpad and a full keyboard, and I can hook up USB st- stuff to it. It's I love it. it has it's a laptop, right? When you have a keyboard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So it's like a little netbook with the, with the dock. And I love using it for gaming because if I have any PDF books or anything I need at the table, it's right there. It's perfect. Hence why I was using it for Warhammer because I had some reference stuff on it. And I sat it on a chair, sat down in the chair, and I heard a crack. I'm like, oh, no. And I turned the screen on, and I saw it was all messed up. I'm like, this is very sad. <laughs> very, very sad. Head that day in silence. Yes, yes. Anyway, let's uh, actually head over to Sage Advice. Sage Advice. Welcome to Sunnydale. I mean, Sage Advice. Um, sorry about that. And <laughs> Will didn't get the joke, huh? No. All right, never mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all good. Missed the Buffy uh, the Vampire Slayer reference. Yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer reference. <laughs> uh, Did they sparkle? No, they do not sparkle. They, they turn just... to dust, which is definitely not sparkling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we have a bunch of emails this week. A lot of emails, a lot of comments to go over, a lot of things to follow up on. But let's start off with following up on things first. Uh, I know, Will, we want to follow up on the multi-classing issue that happened on the forums. Oh, wow. One of those oh, things. Yeah. No, this all goes back to the one that that one email that we got that we we just don't uh, we don't argue enough or we don't make it so you know that there's more conflict. It seems like someone complained that we were always agreeing with one another and something, and I don't think that's the case. And you know, all I do is I normally play devil's advocate anyway. I don't agree with you. See, see, there we go. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I, I think multi-classing is, is always going to be. It's one of those things. It's, it's same arguments, just like with alignments and and pigs with orc faces and and all that other stuff. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be a conflict. And with multi-classing, I'm a firm believer, you know, multi-class characters can have the regular multiple attacks as a fighter, but they will not specialize, plain and simple. Yeah, and I remember reading over all those comments and then people were like, well, yes, you can. No, 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 I can't believe Will said it. It's just like I said finally, you know, you guys are arguing about, you know, BS. It's just a game. If someone wants to play it that way, that's the way they're going to play it. Right. No, it's I'm not a- just a game. It's my life. Oh, shut up. <laughs> okay, Blackleaf. Yeah. <laughs> that's from that wild thing, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, Tom Hanks. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you need maps of some steam tunnels? Yeah. <laughs> no. There's plenty of those tunnels there, so... Oh, that's just hilarious and everything. Now, my whole thing is like this. One, I think it starts to become munchkiny if you allow doggone fighters to have everything they can have as fighters, and uh, it's not going to happen. They're multi-class. That's enough. That's their boost right there alone. You know, they get all those additional options, plus they get all those additional save and throw bonuses. They just, and, and, and you know, they get the extended life, you know, spans and all other good stuff and everything. Yeah. Um, now, I can see where the argument comes in, though, where someone says, well, if you play a human character, you get to use that option in the back of the Unearthed Arcana. You get to roll nine six-siders for strength or eight six-siders for constitution. Well, you need or, something. Huh? Humans need something. They get nothing. And that's my whole point. And this is why I say that fighters alone are allowed to do the 
the, the special specialization. If you're multi-class, a multi-class fighter can still have the multiple attacks, but they will not specialize, plain and simple. Well, do you think the whole thing with the elf, you being a fighter magic user, not getting any penalties came from basic edition? They just pulled it over? Absolutely. I don't know. I still Absolutely. think there should be some type of penalty, though. Absolutely. And see, and that's the whole point on this. It's the same thing with the, uh, when, when I had everyone, you know, I already knew the answer because I had the rogues gallery in front of me, you know, when I was playing devil's advocate again with, uh, with the multi-class characters having the high strength, you know, and all that other stuff. They still had the high strength. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. on the show, we actually had talked about, would you give a multi-class fighter that uh, exceptional strength bonus? There you go, yeah. And again, playing devil's advocate, I would just check in to see if people would catch on it. They didn't catch much on that, but they really had an issue with the uh, the multiple attacks and the specializing. I think they had more of an issue with the fact that I kept saying that, that a fighter cleric using edge weapons is wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and again, you know, that, that, that could be an issue too. You know, uh, yeah, from a role playing point of view, there's a big issue. Going right. Up. From from a mechanical standpoint, it's not. But what my personal thought is, you can make that into some interesting role playing, though. Yes, he can use that, but his God isn't too happy about it. So you can you can actually have some play off of that. That's what I was trying to say, but that's what I got beaten down about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I really it comes down to figure out what you want to run it. It makes sure all your players know this is how it's going to work. This is don't argue with it. This is how I'm running my game. This is how multi class. This is how dual class works. And then it, however you choose to run it is fine. There's not a right or wrong way per se or how to run it. Yes, a, it is. If you don't play by the book, you're wrong. No, I'm the, just joking. I'm then just explain joking. to me how does a half elf become a bard? Yeah, <laughs> there he goes. There we go. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It doesn't. Magically with a wish. There you go. Right. I, w- I wish I was a bard. I'm. Mm-hmm. Wow. At that point, okay, yes, you can be a bard. Just, but then again, there's, there's, there's nothing to say that, that there are rules, there are, you know, uh, con- uh, conflicting uh, points of, of views and interest, and there's some rules that are just totally incorrect. They just don't match. Yeah. Right. Like, like my initiative, apparently, that no one understood. Oh no! I totally, I totally get it. It's by going with the low first. You can just any modifiers you can just tack on. So you start in segment one, and like you, for you, a combat would go from segment one to segment say one hundred, and then the first round of combat is the first six segments, and any weapon speed modifiers or spell segments you just add on to it, and that's when it goes off. Yeah, right. It, people just didn't understand that's how it works. It's very simple that way. Yeah, it's not by the book, but it works. Right. It's like I exactly. do the thing with me. I use. Six going first, but in my mind, I'm doing the exact same you are. I just flip it. Six goes first, and if I add it, yeah, it's just an extra mental step. But people just like being it rolling high. They don't like games where you have to roll high, then also have to roll low. They like it either the I have to roll high for everything or I have to roll low for everything. It's when you some things you have to roll high, some things you have to roll low. People seem to get a little weirded out about that. Yeah, oh well. They'll learn. Yeah, see, like, one other point that was made by another poster was, uh, they was talking about the gnomes, you know, because gnomes can be fighter illusionists. Gnome, yeah. yeah. So they asked this, can they wear armor and cast spells, or is it just elves? Well, apparently it's just elves, really. So what that states right there, see, and that's the whole point. Why are elves allowed to wear, you know, plate mail armor or whatever, chain, and gnome illusionists cannot, or fighter illusionists, actually. Well, so, again. For certain spells, like if it was strictly verbal or component, I probably wouldn't have a problem with them casting in armor. But if it's somatic? If it's somatic, then I would probably like, okay, what type of armor are you wearing? That full plate, you're not going to be able to get the movements down right. I mean, you can try, and you're probably going to fail. But I'll give you a remote ch- chance you can get the movements right. Basically have like a spell failure from, that was in like later editions. Oh, yes, exactly. And see, that's the whole thing. So that's definitely something that should be explored. I'll look into it when I have some time this week and, and really look into the, the history of the, the fighter magic user elf that's allowed to wear armor and cast spells, whereas a normal illusions can't. But you guys aren't playing first edition true to the book. 
Well, you know, again, then go back to the rogues gallery. Uh, I believe there's an illusionist or fight or gnomes in there or whatever and see what they're wearing. Right. Yep. Again, it's... I'm not saying the rogues gallery is the ultimate source to check these things. But if, if anything, that's the place to look because guess what's there? All those characters. Right. I'm going to do what everybody seems to like right now. There. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd hate to break it to people, but Gary Gygax didn't even play by his own book. I know. Yeah, he changed his rules every five minutes, so. Yeah, no, he didn't do that at all. He put a book out there to satisfy the legions of supporters of this game. Right. Exactly. So, everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, we have a voicemail to go on here, so let's head into that right away. Let me get that up. Voicemail, go now. Hey, guys. DM Kojo calling about the argument you guys had about dual class and weapon specialization. As you probably recall from my previous voicemail, I don't use dual class or multi-class in my campaign except as the occasional NPC. But if I were going to use it, which I am considering based on your arguments, then I think I would probably allow weapon specialization at the level that the dual class fighter stopped being a fighter exclusively. I don't think that they would lose that ability. I'm kind of in agreement with Nick and Matt here. I think that they would probably still practice that ability enough to keep it steady. Um, It would not improve. Um, Multi-class I would probably be inclined to allow it. When I look at uh, fighters and specialization, if you're going to multi-class as a fighter, I think that's part of the benefit to offset the negatives that come from multi-classing with experience and hit point averaging and all that. So I really think that uh, I would give the classes all of their full abilities to use that that would be kind of the point of the multi-classing. Otherwise, why be a fighter anything? So, at least that's my take. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you, DM Kojo. That's what he has to say. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I pretty much, he's agreeing with me, so I say that's three to two in favor of me and Nick. Well, Nick's not here, so he as well doesn't count. He's busy picking pumpkin, so... <laughs> He doesn't uh-huh. vote. So that's me and Will plus uh, my imaginary friend that we outrule you. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't think that – I don't know. I mean you're immersed in another class. I don't know if you're going to have time to worry about that specialization too much. That's just my argument about it. Yeah. I mean I don't uh, – uh, yeah. with, with the multi-class, I have no problem giving it. With the dual class, if you started fighter and froze, you're not getting another specialization. But I'm of the mindset, once you have the skill, it's going to take a lot of effort to have that truly atrophy to the point where you wouldn't have that skill anymore. You're basically saying it's like riding a bike, you never forget. Exactly. It becomes so, if you get to the point where you're specialized in it, it's so ingrained in your muscle memory, you'll just automatically do it without even thinking. It'll, as soon as you pick that sword up and swing it a couple times, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah. I guess so. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's head over to some comments. I got a comment off. I- oh, wait. Wait, wait. Before you do that. Yes. Let's talk about the specialization real quick. They're talking about the specialization in the UA. When you look at weapon specialization, it specifically states that only members of the fighter class and the ranger subclass can make use of weapon specialization. Right. Okay. So, when I look at this and everything, and let's say multi-class, nah, ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen with dual class either. I I just can't see that happening. Why? Just can't see that happening. Again, I'm just saying, I'm being realistic, though. I only think that weapon specialization should apply to those true fighters who remain true to their their class from level one all the way up. Now, they'll get their regular melee, you know, multiple attacks like a fighter magic user or or a dwarven fighter cleric and all that. I'll let them have their regular, you know, multiple attacks when they they reach that certain level but not for weapon specialization just it ain't gonna happen 
So DM Kojo, play how you want. And blah. <laughs> I'm just messing around. I like DM Kojo. He's good to go. Yeah, he's a, he's a solid fella. Okay, over to the comments. People say we don't read anything but five-star comments from iTunes. I found a four-star review just recently, so I'll read that for everybody. It's entitled The Good, The Bad, and The Not So Good by DM Brian. I'm going to have to talk with DM Brian from Thacko's Hammer now. Oh, wait, that may not be him. Anyway. Hello, I finally got around to writing you guys a review. I downloaded all the podcasts from as far back as I can go and finally caught up to the present. We have all of them up there now, Matt, right? Yes, we do. Okay. There have been some really good episodes and some pretty bad ones, but overall... Wow, really? But overall, I do like listening to you guys. After all, I put a lot of time into getting caught up. The main thing I wanted to say is this. You know how someone points out something that you did not notice before, and like a sign like a sign on the street you drive past every day, and then once they point it out, you just can't miss it ever again? Well, a few episodes back, someone wrote in about DM Will dominating the podcast once he gets started. Well, now that I heard that, it made me pay attention, and I realized that when he starts talking, it's almost impossible to have someone else interject their opinion, or even more, to the next topic or section. Don't get me wrong, DM Will, you're, my, you're a freaking encyclopedia when it comes to modules and older material, but in my opinion as a listener, tone it down a little bit and let others interject to help the conversation go smoother. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Others, <laughs> other than that complaint or observation, you guys are doing a really good job. Keep up the... I don't know. You guys are doing a really good job keeping up with the older material, and I love the way the show is laid out in sections, too. I always look forward to the Dragon's Horde towards the end. DM Brian. Comment? Well, let me say something first before anyone interjects. Let me say this first. Go ahead. First, there was a complaint. Will never says enough, or people don't say enough. So then when I pick up the pace, now I say too much, and I'll let people speak. Okay, that's it. I'm done. You can interject now. Look at the silence. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do admit that sometimes I do I go a little bit. And, and you know, what, what it was is there was a, a complaint a while back ago when they said to us, like, well, you all don't cover enough information. And I have said it countless times. I can talk, 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 talk. But I do stop to allow other people to interject their, their, their you know, their, their you know, their knowledge too as well and everything. There's only so much that I can cover. And if I wish I can cover more, but we're, we're restrained by time limits. Yes. I, I keep showing Will the watch saying, come on, Will, enough. Anyway. Oh, oh, really? Okay, well, let me tell you. It's not impossible. It's highly improbable, but not impossible. It's improbable. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, interject. I'm not talking no more. Come on. You were not letting me talk, as usual. Okay, go, please. <laughs> we got a bunch of other reviews, one coming from Tommy Riggins, giving us five stars. We thank him. He's a gamer dad. And another one, DM of Doom. He says, incredibly well done, five stars. Thank Excellent. you for your reviews. Everyone, thank you for your reviews. We appreciate them. Every review counts, going towards pushing us further and further up on the rating scale on iTunes. And I don't care what anyone says, it does help. So, eh. <laughs> I meant to say that's what I meant to say first email actually we're going to skip over to Matt uh, talking about someone wrote in personally to Matt yes uh, it says DM Matt uh, had hand surgery uh, right hand dominant hand back in 2009 right before I got out of the military after a crazy snow plow blade versus wrist injury that ruptured a bunch of ligaments between three of my wrist bones in the by the pinky. Yeah, he wins in the gruesome injury department. That makes my l little uh, broken glass, severed tendon, half-severed nerve seem like uh, a yeah, paper cut, really. <laughs> yeah, technically it's called triangular fibro cartilage tear. And the repair required internal permanent stitches and the entire surgery was done with three scopes. Yeah, mine was a little outpatient procedure. I was actually awake for the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there listening to the doctors, like, ask for different things, like, oh, talking about what they see. And so I'm like, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh in carry on. Uh, unfortunately, the doc said the risk of hitting and cutting some nerves to the skin was possible, and sure enough, he must have fumbled as he hit two of them. Oh. And I now have permanent skin sensation loss of the radial and ulnar nerve branches that go to the back and pinky side of the hand. 
mine's actually the numbness I have is actually similar for except it's on the uh instead of the back side of the hand it's actually on the palm side of the hand so that uh half halfway down the pinky palm side of the hand and is where I have my numbness so I totally know what you're talking about there mm-hmm. uh the only good thing that came out of it was I got to do a lot of reading mostly old D&D rule books Yep, I still got my old first edition rule books and was listening to some podcast about Gen Con 2009 and heard about Pathfinder coming out, but was bummed I lived too far away to get a copy and meet some of the Paizo people. So I ordered a book online and sent an email to the Paizo people and asked if it was possible to pass the core rule book around for signatures while I was still in my cast and healing. I thought it would never occur, but they must have sent it to nearly 20 people in the company to get it signed. That is just awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, totally. Uh, just to prove once again that gamers are really cool. I totally feel your pain when it when you said that doorknobs are giving you trouble. I was also frustrated with zippers, buttons, and using any key, door, or car, and opening pop cans. Wait until you get your cast off. You can really move your hand for the first time. Ouch. It nearly took me one month to get used to putting things in my pockets, too. It hurt too much to have fabric touch the surgery site. Despite all that, after about a year, I got a tiny bit of feeling back. But most of it's still gone, but the range of motion is much better. And I don't think the motion sensation I lost is too bad. I can still type and write. Every now and then I will turn a doorknob or push a grocery cart and get a twinge of pain. Will occur at the old surgery site, but it's not too bad. So perhaps you can milk your injury to get some of your stuff signed. Good luck <laughs> with your recovery, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron, for well wishes. Um, yeah, I have it nowhere near as bad as you did. Um, I've been very lucky in the pain hasn't been that bad i mean i'm kind of blessed with a nutso pain tolerance anyway and other than the first few days when the nerve was just giving me like weird sensations so i was like popping hydrocodone just to like take the edge off the wacky tingling i would get in like the palm of my hand or my pinky the pain really wasn't that bad and when i did the first initial injury it didn't actually hurt at all even though i had giant gaping flesh wound so (laughs) it was just really weird i'm just like I have this giant wound, and I'm bleeding, and it doesn't hurt. Huh. Uh. So, yeah, I actually consider myself, like, really lucky for it could have been a heck of a lot worse, especially when you see how far on the underneath side of the palm of my hand the cut started to go. It wasn't that much farther from, like, the uh, main arteries in my wrist. So just shifted a few, like, eh, maybe a half inch, and all of a sudden you're I'm cutting, like, the main arteries in my wrist, so... I got very, very lucky, and uh, I'll be starting my uh, physical therapy come Wednesday, so I get to tell you all about just how miserable it'll be trying to move my wrist. Um, so, anyway, so we th- thank you for uh, writing in, just telling us your story, because yeah, I, I yeah, because I'm like realizing I'm not alone in this whole like yes, people having wacky accents and maiming themselves, much like the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So, but he wasn't listening to Sod during the time. So. No, no, no. Unless he's a time traveler, he no. traveled forward in time, got well, some Sod it shows, then went back in time, and yeah. while using a snowplow, it happened. We, you know, he could have been listening to you know he could listen to our podcast and it would have been that way. No, we were, no, was, not in t- not Gen Con two thousand nine. No. Because uh, RFI started at uh, yeah. 2000, uh, end of 2009, like December-ish. Yes, that is correct. So, yes, he if he was listening to any of our podcasts during the time of this injury, he had to either be clairvoyant or a time traveler. Or he was listening to Darker Days Radio, which I used to do back then. True. Very true. So, ha-ha. And then at which point, which clan was he a part of that he was actually offering a bloodletting to? Um, I'm going to say for the crazy act of that, he's going to be a mm, Malkavian. Okay. Considering <laughs> I know absolutely nothing about White Wolf at all. I've never played Vampire, but I know there's clans involved somehow. So, yeah. Malkavian is the crazy ones. Okay. Yeah, see, there's a whole, this whole Toreador would be the beautiful ones, and it goes on and on. They have the Bruja, which is the, like, the brutes, and on and on. Good game. Anyway. Well, high five to Aaron. Yes. We appreciate the support email to Matt. Anyone else has any stories? What happened? Some bad accidents that'll cheer Matt up in his long journey back to recovery. 
Yes. I'll give you a thumbs up. Yeah. Yes. I can give you a thumbs up. It's the other side of my hand. I have like the permanent pinky out. So I, I drink everything really daintily. Oh, so at least you have manners. Yes, I have table manners. <laughs> you should put some of those pictures up on the website so people could see them. Uh, I'll spare them the gaping flesh wound. Uh, well, if I put it that up, I'll put it under spoiler because, yeah, you don't want to be, like, eating when you see that. Ah, come on. <laughs> Powers. And don't you know that people are desensitized these days after all the video games and movies we see? Oh, well, let's just say I know, I know of some nurses and, uh, and nursing students, and when they saw the picture on my Facebook, they're like, I almost threw up. <laughs> A nurse? That? Wow. Yeah. I guess it also if you're not expecting it, just all of a sudden, oh, what is that? It was like one of my friends said, I couldn't even tell what body part that was. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw the picture when you showed it to me. I was just like, dude, that looks kind of fake if I didn't think it was real. Right. Yeah, it's like when you blow the picture up, that's when you could actually see, like, all the fat cells and all of that. You can it actually act- looks like a zombie took a bite out of you. Yeah, it actually it kind of does. Walking dead bite or something. Right. Yeah, you're going to have to actually take me out back and shoot me in the head soon. Or we could just cut your arm off like did on, you know. Oh, the- yeah. Give me a chainsaw replacement. Yeah. Well, that's what they did in the last episode, spoiler alert, of uh, Walking Dead Season 3. One of the guys got bit by a zombie, and they they uh, did they, uh, tied a belt around his leg and cut off his leg where the <laughs> infection was so he wouldn't spread. Okay. <laughs> but apparently, as we found out last season, everybody has the zombie virus in them, whether they're alive, bit, or not. Right. So. Everybody's a little bit of zombie. Yeah, but that's apparently the storyline they're going with. I don't know if that was in the comics. I don't remember reading that. I watched. I don't recall that. I haven't read the comics. I watched the very first episode, and I like I hated every main character in it, and I'm like, you all should die. And I haven't watched since. It's such a good show. I'm surprised. I'm well, just glad the white beater got ate up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That guy was a yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right, next email comes from Chris S. And he's a little annoyed at us, so I'll try to get through as quick as possible and then answer it. I'm listening to your Polyhedron podcast, and at the end where you get to mentioning Hackmaster, I was disappointed in your commentary. Gee. First of all, Nick, seriously? The Hackopedia of Beast came out over a year ago, but according to you, it must have come out. Well, according to you, it might have just come out. Oh, I see what he's saying. Nick, well, I know Nick isn't really keeping up with the new Hackmaster, so it's probably why he wasn't sure. I remember him saying he wasn't sure, if I remember correctly, right, guys? Anyone? I can't recall what yeah. he said specifically as far as that is concerned. Cricket, cricket, anyway. Well, I get that Hackmaster might be too crunchy a game for you, DM Vince. Yes, it is. I'm <laughs> surprised that you were confused by Jolly's counterboard. That counterboard was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry, Chris. It was three little levels with this little peg that this woman kept showing me, and I was just like, what? Anyway, all that thing is all that thing is, is an unnecessary game that counts the seconds of combat starting at one. Why do we need a counter of one? The game should be simple. Yeah, It's actually, that's something they also use in Aces and Eights. Oh, okay. They use it, but in Aces and Eights, they actually break down combat to, they actually specify the time it takes to cock a gun. So Ah. cocking the gun will be your action, and you'll move it ahead like one. And then aiming the guns, something else. I mean, it's every, in Aces and Eights, combat is every little thing you do has a time associated with it. So you're constantly moving you have to use that count shot clock because you could be firing like a tenth of a second quicker than the other guy and therefore go down before you get to complete your action. Great. Let me cock the gun and shoot myself in the head. Players just put a marker on the counter track to remember where their next move is. Many players use different trackers, if any at all. But the basic, but basically the whole device is just a counter. You made it seem like more like an advocate. Well, it was. It was this big, archaic, silly thing. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I usually like all of your podcasts, except where you speak ill of any game that isn't first edition. Spoiler alert, the podcast says Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition. Anyway, even if it's a game I don't care for, odds are the majority of your listeners do not play first edition on a regular basis. But if they are lucky, they do play other games. I am one of those listeners. 
well, we are first edition lovers, so we're going to promote our game over any other game. Doesn't mean you're dumb, stupid, a moron for playing your game. To each their own, their own game. We're allowed to say we don't like a game. We are not news journalists. We're not supposed to be fair and balanced, as Fox News would say. Right. I mean, we each have our own preferences in game styles and games we like and dislike. And I'm sure if we ran down the list of every game system each of us liked, there'd be quite a bit of, like, I like this game, but Vince wouldn't like this other game, and Will wouldn't like this system or whatever. I, if you enjoy the system, that's the most important thing. I We each have our own personal preferences and biases when it comes to the style of game we like. So it may not always mesh with you, but that's okay. That's The diversity is what makes gaming great. The D20 glut of the, like, 2000 was, like, actually kind of bad for game as a whole. Yeah, people made a lot of money really quick, but it stopped development of every other game system at the time. Yeah. It basically became, if you weren't making D20, you weren't making a game. And that's actually bad. We need diversity of systems. And that way, there will be something for everyone. Because maybe like a d20 style game isn't your flavor if that's the only thing being made you're going to stop gaming so that's okay you you have a preference that we don't i mean we're when we we're not it's not like we're denigrating the players of the game when we if we talk ill of it fourth edition we're just talking about the game itself we're not a fan of it has no reflection on the players and I said I didn't get it. I tried it, and which is a good step to any game, trying it first before bashing it. And I tried it, and I didn't get it. I thought there was too much rolling going on, and I didn't like it. Sorry. Well, I don't do for liking the game. I mean, I'm glad that you enjoy your game and support your game. Yes, Will? Let me, let me say it like this. One, I'm not going to apologize for my comments. One, if I like something, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Plain and simple. Okay? We're talking about Hackmaster. Okay, I'm not a fan of Hackmaster. I own all of the stuff from Kinzer and Company. Uh, I just don't care for. I don't care for the parody. Honestly, I thought it was just too silly and too lame. Plain and simple. That's just not the kind of game I like to play. If I want to play silly and lame, I'll play Tune. And I'm certain Chris will know what Tune is. Okay, I'll play Tune. I'm not. If I want to play a fantasy game, I'm playing First Edition AD and D. I just didn't care for the parody aspect. Now, let's talk about the most recent release of, you know, Hackmaster. I am a huge fan of the Kingdoms of Calamar setting. But I'm going to use the D20 rules for Kingdoms of Calamar because I want everything for that setting. I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I don't know what it is. Hackmaster just does not appeal to me. Got nothing to do with the people who play it. It's got nothing to do with the people who choose to play it over everything else. I just do not care for Hackmaster as a whole. Yeah, and there's tons of people out there. Oh, AD and D first edition. That sucks. That edition. So, well, I mean, basically, if you really want to know the real truth, how I really feel about Hackmaster, it's no different than Osric and all these other clones. All right, cool. Thanks for your email, Chris, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to call in to call us out on some things that we say. You know, apparently, not everybody can agree on everything, and uh, we won't exactly apologize it but we will try to remember not to get too harsh with words about other games like matt said we don't condone people for playing games we just don't happen to like certain games that's all okay next email comes from jp and he says hi guys i love your podcast i know that i know you address the issue of playing with one dm and pc before Along some similar <laughs> playing with one DM and one PC, along somewhat similar lines, I was wondering if there's a way to modify a game so a person can play it alone. The DM and PC are one and the same. My initial thoughts would be that there would be a lot of dice rolls to randomly determine decisions, actions, and keep things fair. Thanks, GP. Well, we did find a couple modules that you could use. I know there's an expert level module 01 for. Or expert D&D called uh, where is it? The Gem and the Staff. It's a competition module for level 8 Thief. And Will, you found the other one. Yeah, that's the uh, Blades of Vengeance. And I believe that's, uh, oh lord, 5 to 10 fighter elf, elf fighter magic user. I can't remember. And it's 02, right? That's 02. And there are a bunch of various uh, modules that we did go over in the past about highlighting in the book for a solo adventure. 
Right. Yeah. It, yeah. The, the uh, XS uh, one, uh, Lathens Gold, and then there was the one with the Magic Viewer, the MV one, B Solo B, B Solo one, uh, XLS one. All those modules you can look up and find. Right. And then there was even a couple Judges Guild ones too. I'm trying to remember the names of it. Oh. But yeah, there's like two for Judges Guild. Um, if you just actually just search for uh, Solo Adventures D and D on in Google, you would be surprised that like just some of the oddball stuff that you'll come across, like from third parties too. There were some books I remember a while ago that Jason was talking about uh, on Amazon, and I'm just looking through the list here because I remember I bookmarked them because I wanted to grab one, and there was some like kind of Solo Adventure type books. Along the lines of choose your own adventure books, you remember those? Right, right, yeah, because there was like the Lone Wolf series by uh, Joe Dever that I was a huge fan of. Destiny Quest. Destiny Quest. And Fabled Lands is another one. Lone Wolf, like you said. Yeah. I have all three of them bookmarked here. Yeah, Fabled Lands, The War Torn Kingdom, and Destiny Quest, The Legend, uh, the Legion of Shadow, excuse me. Destiny Quest 1. Those are all uh, like solo type adventure type books. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. I found the names of the Judges Guild modules, Dragon's Hall, and then there was Survival of the Fittest, which is one for uh, levels one to three. And then there was actually, if you have a copy of Strategic Review number one, there was a solo dungeon adventure in there by Gary Gygax. It's also reprinted in the Best of Dragon one. Excellent. Sounds like fun. Well, thank you. I hope that answers your question, JP. If any other questions, follow up with us, RFISTAF, gmail.com. And our last email comes from uh, Zeke. I'm going to say Zeke. Z-E-K-E. Zeke. 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 (laughs) You said (laughs) Zeke. Why is that so funny? Because I know he's saying, like, why would he call me Zeke? (laughs) I don't know. I can't... Will I begin? <laughs> Why don't you talk a little bit so we can't talk over you? Okay. <laughs> I began playing AD and D last week for the first time since the eighties. I purchased the new reissued books and immediately pursued the volumes. I think that must be peruse the volumes. Yeah, peruse the volumes like it was water for a thirsty soul. <laughs> does he? What does he mean? A fish? Yeah. Then Sunday, I found your podcast and I've listened to the last. And the first four issues. Wow, I am blown away. Well, I hope you didn't get too far blown away. Come back. There are others who there are others who play first edition. <laughs> I had to read it like that. <laughs> your enthusiasm and knowledge. It's a blast listening to you guys. Keep it up. Zeke. I actually saw the books at uh, Reaper Minis, the store, and they were selling them for full price there. So I did not buy them. I was kind of disappointed. And then what was funny is I turned the round stand that the books are usually on, and I found a dust-covered player's handbook for 4th edition. <laughs> actually literally full of dust. I guess I was the first person to actually turn it and look at it a long time. Yeah. I've actually, at one of the half-price books near my house, seen a lot of 4th edition stuff get dumped off. Oh, it's yeah, big time. The one over... A town over from me, they have two shelves worth of fourth edition stuff. Right. What I'm waiting for is when fourth edition first came out, the half price books near my house in Mason actually took their three five and three O D and D books, wrapped them in took three books, wrapped them in shrink wrap, and sold them for ten dollars. Wow. So three hardback books for ten dollars. So I got the player's guide DMG and monster manual for three point five for ten bucks. And how much money they are now going for? Yeah, I I wish at the time I would have had more money just to buy all those bundles. But yeah, I'm just like, so I'm expecting as more and more people dump their stuff. If you want to get some forced stuff, check half price books because they're going to get a glut and the prices will drop. If because we've seen it happen before with three, five, so. Actually, when I was at the store at Reaper Minis, uh, and I was talking to the guy about D&D, and he was like, oh, you guys still play first edition? That's awesome. And he looked in on the game from time to time. We were talking about fourth edition and how nobody's buying it. But he said he likes to uh, use it to introduce new players to the game of playing. 
it's a good idea how to get people into the get them off that board mentality into role playing mentality. He said, so I said, yeah, I guess it could be a tool to teach people. Right. Right. I mean, it's not a bad game. It's just not a game for us. No, it's definitely. I know there's some people that love it to death. I was like uh, a couple people on our forums. And in fact, uh, DM Scotty, he the one I interviewed for the last episode, he is a fourth edition player. Yeah. But Wait. he doesn't condone any other condition. He actually thought that our first edition was cool. He was like, I didn't play, I didn't know people still played it, he said. Right. right. What I find interesting, DM Scotty, he does every he doesn't do any, put grids on any of his stuff though. If he's playing fourth, I guess he just actually he actually just war games it and measures everything since and you'd yeah. be doing a lot of measuring what since fourth is so uh dependent upon exact distances. He has sticks cut out for each character. I watched that episode explaining what he does. Yeah. And he makes these special sticks uh, for six inches for the six squares and every, yeah. five squares. And each player just basically puts it down like they're measuring, but they can just move as far as the ruler is concerned. Huh. That's how he does it. So it's kind of like playing wargaming, like you said. Right, yeah. It, it's actually, in some ways, the way he's doing it is actually taking it back to the roots. Yeah, and he, he likes that. He doesn't like, he was saying he doesn't like grids, if you listen to the... Uh, interview and he likes the freedom of moving around and being able to move diagonally sideways without having these penalties of the squares that's why he got rid of the grids right yeah and, i mean it makes sense i mean from i mean for what way for the stuff he's making i mean i watched his youtube videos and they i mean the stuff he puts together is actually really nice and yeah I have no problems actually busting out the ruler, hence I, why I'm getting into Warhammer. I mean, I'm going to steal some of his techniques to actually make Warhammer terrain. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say that'd be a perfect Warhammer terrain to use cardboard and the glue gun and just some, some flat black paint and stuff. Right, yeah, because, I mean, I've mostly dealt with, like, the cardstock stuff, the actual uh, building terrain, like, from, uh, like, Fat Dragon games. And that's mostly what I've... Uh, built in the past but now i'm just like huh like i'm actually thinking of using stealing like some of his ideas and actually just making uh army trays out of cardboard the same way he makes his tiles i can make an army tray as opposed to paying like 20 dollars for like a couple of just little plastic trays so yeah yeah what do you have to say will oh can i interject now oh (laughs) I don't want to talk too much. Just talk, Will. <laughs> just talk. Just talk. Just talk, huh? No, it's all good and everything. Um, <laughs> you, you know, when you're talking about the terrain and everything for Warhammer Fantasy and everything, you only need a three by three area. Am I correct? Right. Well, it depends on what you're playing because we're my group. We play by the basic rules of the game. But when it comes to the actual setup and stuff, we kind of just say, and hey, what do we want to do today? We're not real strict. When it oh, comes okay. To no, the only reason I bring it up and everything is because uh, I know that the gaming store here is selling a lot of the uh, terrain boards here, and and they're perfect. They are just the right size. I want to say they're six by four, six by four. Right. Great boards, and I'm gonna buy four of them and everything. I have kept in my house just so I can use for BattleTech and Warhammer Fantasy. But no, no, that's all good. Uh, I'm glad he bought the books and everything. Uh, that's just excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely highly recommend buying the books. Now, with the 4th edition, I mean, if you want dead weight, go ahead and buy them 4th edition books. I went ahead and bought the books, and the only reason I'm buying the books, and and, and I only got a couple more to get and everything as I I find them at uh, Half Bright Books or wherever, is that the fact is that the the game's out of print now. It's out of print. Yeah. The game's out of print, so the books are worth something now. I mean, there's some books you can actually get some good fluff from. I mean, the most recent book, the Meza Baranzen, I mean, that's a great book. That was a city. I thought. Yeah. That was edition neutral, I thought, that book, right? Right. It's, for the most part, it's, I mean, it has some stuff, but for the most part, it's a lot of fluff. So you can find books like that in Force if you look. Not everything's going to be crunchy game mechanic stuff. You, there is actually fluff in Force if you look for it. And I think that was a problem for a lot of people. You had to really look for it, especially at first. Uh, well, I tell you, there, there are some elements of fourth edition I like, and I tell you, this is where they they could have really hit the the, the, the the pay dirt, but they failed miserably. But uh, their adventures were actually pretty good when they converted the giant series over and all that. Right. 
that's actually a very interesting concept, and I'm hoping very much to see modules done in that kind of format. Not only are they having the adventure in there, but they also provide the maps for it and shows you where everything is at in that room so that when you set it up, it plays out the way it's supposed to play out now. We all know what fourth edition is about. It's, you know, it's all about the miniatures and all that crap. Right. Get away a little bit from the miniatures, but still have those adventures in that format. It, I think it actually works perfect. Right. I actually own that Revenge of the Giants hardback. Yeah, it? I like it. Yeah, it's great. I picked up a lot of my fourth edition stuff. There was a game store locally that was going out of business, and the last day they were open, everything was 90% off. And so I bought every fourth edition book they had. For yeah. Like, I mean, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm going to – I may not play it a lot, but there's still stuff I can mine from it, ideas I can get from it. I mean, just because it's not a first edition book doesn't mean I can't use some of the stuff in it in my first edition campaign. You'd be surprised what other sources you can use for your game. It doesn't have to be official product. Just Sometimes it's just stealing an idea from an adventure, stealing an encounter setup, but running it in a different system – or maybe you really find like, hey, this fourth edition module actually has a really good story, and you can just use it and convert it to first. Yep, that's what I say. Looking here right now on Amazon just to see, and it looks like the fourth edition book is officially cheaper than the first edition book. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. It's going to be in. And let me give an example because you brought up the 3.5 stuff. 50 cents. They just re-released the, the 3.5 reprints about two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, it finally, you know, finally went out? Okay. Yeah, and they're $50 a pop. Ooh. That is actually an excellent deal. I mean, these are the books that are completely cleaned up. All the rat has been fixed and everything else. Okay. Oh, it has been. Okay. This is your chance now to get your, your reprints. People have been wanting crying for the reprints. Here are the reprints. I'll, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm shocked because right now, they're not selling. Is At that, the game store, they're not selling. That $50 price point, that, for me, it really makes me pause. Like, did I re- Am I going to get $50 use out of it when I already own the books? I mean I- – well, I agree with you, but you know what? I don't think it's the price of the books. It's the fact is that Pathfinder has saturated the market. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not in a bad way. Right. No. Path, Pathfinder the- has taken over, and, and, and why would you want to play 3.5 now? It's not supported material. Yeah. It's a strange mentality. Right. Yeah, it, if this was something they did a few years ago before Pathfinder got entrenched – then, yeah, people would be buying them to actually use them and game with them, but at which point, why would they, at that point, they would have already been throwing in the towel on fourth. Yeah, and that's the whole issue. Now, they did re-release, they did re-release the 3.5 books with the errata fix, if you remember. Those were in the black leather uh, binding. Right, those? but those were like $100 each? 75 I thought they 75, were. $75, okay. I think yeah, I've seen them aftermarket for like... Yeah. Yeah, aftermarket. Oh, yeah, it was insane. But see, right now, those, those the black ones are worth about 150, 100 and a quarter, and these here are 50, and they didn't do too much to them. It's like the regular old, you know, for uh, 33.5 bucks. Right. But like I said, whatever one wants to play and everything, I just uh, I'm just waiting for the the reprints. Right. I'm interested in the reprinting of the modules. Yeah, that definitely is something I'm looking forward to too. That's my main concern. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they plan on doing it. Now, how much were they selling them for? Uh, $38 for, for the uh, S series, and it was 42 for the A series. Remember we went over that, Will? We were talking yeah. about it was A0, and they kept saying, listing it as. Yeah, I don't know what they plan on doing. I don't know if they're going to make it into a hardback book format, or are they going to release all four as one module? I just don't know. Well, if they took it in that Revenge of the Giants format and just – Took all four, the A1 through A4, and made it a hardback book. I could see that. They are made. That would be excellent. Yeah, the books are going to be a hardback book, like a super module. That's going to be nice. The A series, I'm looking to see if I can find a price again for them. I, don't, I forgot what the link was. But since we're on that subject, uh, one thing that I was hoping they would do, and, and again, this is something where they they, they really have to work on this is if they take those adventures from Dungeon Magazine yeah, and put that into a hardback 
book format. I thought they did that, didn't they? Not with Dungeon Magazine, no. They released two supplements uh, for uh, second edition where they took some adventures out of Dungeon Magazine and put them in that format, but they weren't hardback. They were softback. I have those two. But if they take those, starting from number one all the way down, because all that is property of Wizards of the Coast, regardless of who wrote them. That is property of Wizards of the Coast. Right. That's yeah. what they, so they could take those and, and make a killing. Well, you know, they probably don't realize it or maybe don't think it's cost effective enough. I don't know. Well, they don't need no one's permission. Well, no, the permission is just a matter of the cost. Right. Because at this point, they're like looking at, okay, what are the big names? What are going to be the things we can bundle four modules together, put them in a hardback and sell that actually have like a name recognition? The dungeon stuff to like people that maybe played a little bit but aren't really into deep into first. Are they really is it really going to catch their attention the same as like the Slave Lord series? No, who knows? Well, it all depends on if they want to play adventures or not. I mean, some people like modules, some people don't. But Dungeon Adventure, the adventures from Dungeon Magazine, was, they would, uh, there was quite a bit of them that were actually oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree. I have a l- quite a few issues of Dungeon, and I'm like, they, they were great stuff that a lot of people overlooked. Unfortunately, for the show purposes, most of those were second edition because Dungeon came along at the very tail end of first, so it's not like we're right. going to... So we'll leave that to our sister podcast, That Goes Hammer, to cover the Dungeon stuff, but... Yeah, the stepsister. Yeah, the, the red-headed stepsister. Red-headed, that's correct. Yes, but still it doesn't mean you can't read those uh, adventures and uh, just convert them to first. I mean, yep. the plot is what's important, and the mechanics isn't. I'm, exactly. I'm looking right now. It's thirty two ninety seven for each of the reprint books for third three point five with Errata off Amazon. Okay. Yeah. So. Or if you, that's on Amazon, that'd probably be forty dollars a pop. Or thirty nine ninety five. Or you can get them used for twenty seven ninety five off Amazon. Used? They haven't even come out yet. Well, uh, someone might have popped the shrink wrap, or they just mislabeled it, or they label it as used, so they get that first uh, line when you go in to look at the use section. That is, yeah, because it says order by December 23rd, and it has used, and it has also has new, twenty seven ninety seven also. Interesting. Yeah, new book shipped. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> someone hey, someone just wanted to be subject. that first one. <laughs> What's that? But, but, but since we're on that subject and everything, just make, make sure people understand now that uh, my intent is is that as I get additional copies and extra copies and everything, there's going to be future contests later on in the future. Like for the Honor of Arcana, which comes out in February or March of next year, we'll have a contest for that. Probably do the same thing with the modules and everything as well. I'm just curious if they're not out yet, how are people leaving reviews for them? Um, you would be surprised what actually goes on with reviews online. You have to tell us about that sometime, Matt. Yes, there's nothing like uh, publishing companies that will or have pay people to write reviews for books. Or there was actually one author that got busted. He would write reviews on his glowing reviews on his own books, and then go to other authors in the same genre and just rip their books apart. Oh, jeez. Under assumed yeah, names. He got, yeah, he got in trouble for that. So that goes on everywhere. Or just like with video games, you'll see reviews for games that obviously the reviewer never actually played it. Yeah, I've noticed <laughs> that, yeah. So that's hey, nothing new. I found that book you were talking about last podcast, Will. Ed Greenwood's uh, book. Yeah, that New Forgotten Realms book that just got that, that was just released here like, like a week or so ago. Yeah, presents Elminster's uh, Forgotten Realms of Dungeons & Dragons supplement. It looks like it's ed- edition neutral, too. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, it's it just is. him talking about his his uh, background process in creating the Forgotten Realms and how it's evolved. And so it's... I bet DM uh, Corey from Thacko's Hammer would love to get his hands on that book because he loves Forgotten Realms. I know that. It's going for twenty six thirty seven right now, or you can buy it new from somebody else for twenty two oh eight. Okay, I guess with shipping and everything, it comes out to the same thing. But that's that. 
that's, I guess, all the emails we have this week. Anyone have any final thoughts or comments before we drift away for episode 99? Will? No, nothing. <laughs> for once, you want to talk? No, I don't want to talk no more because I say too much. So I'm not saying no more today. I think Will took it personally. <laughs> never, never, ever. Don't worry, Will. We all love you except for, like, one person, so... Oh, I can name a couple others. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say their names. They know who they are, and I know who you are, too, so I ain't hiding from no one. <laughs> no. Anyway, keep it original, keep it old school, and we'll be back next week with show 100. <laughs> Roll for initiative.